I mean, we already talked about acquisitions. I'd say that definitely has been one of the things that's really, you know, kind of helps increase our, our growth. You know, I'd say that would be one. Another one would be really looking at my team and making sure that we have the right people in the right seats, you know, kind of at the leadership team level. Uh, we've had to make some changes in the last few years. And I think prior to me becoming a CEO, I maybe would have, you know, not made those changes as quickly. And I think being in that role, I've, one of the things I've learned is that you're responsible to have you know, top talent and have the right team in place that's going to drive that vision, whatever your vision is. And I think that's been something that I've, you know, that's really helped the value of our company, but also just the growth and how the right people in place and the right leaders driving the business. Welcome to another episode of Leading Prosperity, a podcast dedicated to CEO success and wealth. I'm your host, Gary Covert. We all know that being a CEO is enormously rewarding work, but it can be a challenge too. That's why I created Leading Prosperity. I wanted CEOs to benefit from the wisdom of other CEOs from a wide variety of industries, plus all the subject matter experts and professionals who serve the mid-market company space. My mission is to help CEOs of mid-market companies be better CEOs, increase the value of their companies, create more prosperity with their teams for their communities, and build generational wealth. Be sure to like and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode, and be sure to stick around until the end of the program for instructions on how you could be a future guest on the show. Now let's get after it. Hey, I'm here with Doug Karras from uh, Arizona Painting. I'm so excited to have him as a guest on uh, this episode and uh, very excited for what he's going to share with us today. So, Doug, I've known you for a couple of years now, and I've just uh, admired you for a number of reasons. One, just your personality, your character, and you've got a huge devotion to coaching and self-improvement, and you're always trying to be better. And uh, you talk about your family like all the time. You can tell that that's a big priority for you. And then also just your passion for growing your business. So I admire you for a, a lot of reasons and so glad that you're here. Yeah, thanks, Gary. Really appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, I've loved the same thing. Love getting a chance to know you the last couple of years and, you know, just getting to know a lot of people and great leaders through, you know, my introductions from you has been, it's been awesome. So Fantastic. All right. Well, good. Well, let's have the audience get to know you and your background a little bit better. So let's share what your role is today and how you came to be there. Sure. Yeah. So I'm CEO and, and part owner of uh, Arizona Painting Company. Uh, we currently have a few offices out of state as well. In in Arizona, we've got our East Valley, West Valley offices. We've got an office in Tucson. And then outside of Arizona, we're in Las Vegas, Nevada, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and then College Station, Texas. Yeah, my journey kind of getting to, to where I'm at today. I started out in the painting industry at 19 years old. I, I stopped going to college after a semester. I knew I wanted to own my own business and that was my my passion. And so I, I knew I needed to get into a business and kind of learn the business from the ground up. Um, and that's what I did. I started out at 19, power washing, uh, painting during the day. And then I would set up free estimates by cold calling. So literally knocking on doors in the evenings, trying to get people to get a free estimate. And so fast forward, you know, the next, you know, 10 to 12 years, I did basically every position in our company from sales to project management to office, the sales manager. And then my, our former owner, who was kind of like my mentor in business in, in 2014, he was ready to retire and sold the business to me and my two other partners. Um, and then from there, we've just been trying to grow and, and trying to make it a, a great place for people to be a part of. 
I love that story. It reminds me of a conversation I had recently with someone who is in college and I asked him what he's studying. He said business. I said, okay, so what are you learning? And it sounds good, but I kept thinking, it's like, you could probably learn more in an office or in a business, in a business, um, more in a week than you will in a semester or a year of, of school. And I love school. I'm a huge advocate of education. You know, I, I went to business school and did the whole thing, got my four-year degree before that. But yeah, I think I learned more just on the job. And there's so many things you just don't know until you get in it. So yeah. I appreciate the, your, your learning path. I think that's really encouraging. Yeah. And I, I knew, you know, my, my dad wasn't a big fan of me not going to school anymore. And I, I really knew right when I stopped going to college that, you know, I wasn't not going to get educated. So I needed to educate myself. Right. So I knew for me, like I had to you know develop a plan and I did that. I read tons of business and leadership books. I went to seminars, got a mentor and like doing those things are what I, I consider my college education, but it was just a little different than most people's path. You know, yeah. but it's worked out, worked out really well. And it's been, it's been an awesome journey for me. Yeah. I know one of your passions is actually teaching and, and coaching. When you and I first met, you shared that one of the key things that you want to do as far as your role as a CEO is really take an active part in a development and leadership and coaching of your team. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you actually do and how that's working out for you? Yeah, absolutely. So currently we have you know, a leadership team that's made up of about 10 or 11 people in our company. One thing I do is everybody that is a direct report to me, we do a monthly, it's called GSR, so goal setting and review meeting, where you know, we're working on their goals for the year and for the quarter and for the month, but we're also working on their personal goals too. So we're really, I'm try really trying to help them be better, not just in business, but also in their life, right? It might be saving money for a down payment for a house or getting out of debt or you know, starting a workout program, right? It could be anything, but I'm really passionate about that. We offer a, a leadership class in our company. So we call it Emerging Leaders. This will be our third year. We're right in the middle of the class right now. And this is for people in our company that want to be a leader, want to grow, want to learn more about leadership and that we see as kind of the next people to kind of move up in our company. And that's been a great class. It's been just really good results. And I think it's been just another added benefit. I've had people come to me after the class and say, man, this has been the coolest thing I've ever done as part of a company that they've ever offered. And to me, that just kind of shows that again, you know, some of these things that I've really kind of spearheaded and, and really want to make sure we offer as a company that they're working. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the results? Sounds like engagement would be a, a big one. Is, what other kinds of results have you seen but having a, a program focused on development like that? Yeah. So engagement, definitely. Um, culture, it's been, you know, a big focus of just improving and making our culture a place where people love coming to work and that they know that where they're at currently isn't where they always have to be. So one of our core values is continue to learn and grow. And uh, having these classes has been able to offer the opportunity for people to move up. So I think our first class was two and a half years ago. And I think two out of the six or seven people in that class at the time, they were either a project manager or a salesperson. And now two of those are general managers in our company. So they're running an entire branch, an entire division of company. How do you decide what to teach? So, you know, there's, leadership is so broad. You could, you yeah. could, you know, spend weeks and year, months and a year on just a leadership class. But I boiled it down to one of my favorite and simplest leadership books is a book by John Maxwell. It's mm -hmm. called The Five Levels of Leadership. And it's just a really 
easy concept, easy to understand, you know, book. And so we tailor the class around that. So we do six classes. The first class is kind of like an intro. And then the next five are each level of the five levels of leadership. And then we, we finish it up with like a nice dinner out afterwards and just kind of celebrate everybody that went through that class. Oh, that's fantastic. And then you, you also touch on the personal aspect as well. So I love the fact that you're bringing in fitness. I know you're a big fitness enthusiast. You've done a lot of endurance events and things like that. And you're also very financially savvy and very interested in that personal aspect of investments and things like that. So you, you bring in opportunities for them to, to learn about that. Is there a program that you use or just general? We do. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've always in high school, you know, I know that I feel better and I like myself better when I'm working out and, and mm -hmm. feeling good about myself. And I, I really just think in, in our company, you know, our people are, are going to perform better. They're going to, you know, be happier if they're doing some of those things as well. And then on the financial side, yeah. So we offer another class that we offer in our company is called Financial Peace University mm -hmm. by Dave Ramsey that we're actually going through it right now too. It's our third year of that as well. And yeah, this is just all about teaching some of the basics of financials to people in our company, anybody that wants to. You know, a lot of these things aren't taught in school or if they're taught, you remember a lot of times in high school, you might not be at a place and like you're ready to really listen and receive the information. But once you've got a job, you might've been, I've got some credit card debt or card debt that now you're more usually open to receiving some good, good skills and good at that. So yeah, again, that's been a really good, good class that I think has helped a lot of people in our thing. Yeah. So outside of uh, leadership and development, what are some of the key things you think have been really effective and worth, worth your attention as you've built up your business? I'm thinking potential areas might be systems or culture or sales or operations. What are some areas that you've really focused on you think that have been beneficial? As we've, we've tried scaling, and I get asked this question a lot by smaller businesses too that I work with and I talk to that, you know, a lot of times, you know, you take a a company where the owner or you know, a CEO is doing a lot of the roles in the company and everything is in their head, right? Mm. They know how to do everything. And the way to scale though is really getting everything in their head down on paper. So what we've done, I think a really good job of is creating processes, standard operating procedures, you know, anything that happens in our company that's like, man, why did that happen? I, I go and look and like, okay, do we have a process for it that's documented that we've told everybody, this is how you need to do this. And if we don't, well, that's an opportunity. We need to make sure that that's written down of what you need to do in this situation. You know, how do you handle an upset customer? How do you, you know, contact a lead, right? For, that wants an estimate. Like the, all these things we have documented of how to do these things written down. And I think that's been one way that's really helped us scale and be able to bring people on and that's helped us grow faster. Yeah, I like that whole idea of just uh, starting with uh, writing down what you're doing. You don't have to be perfect. Just figure it out. And, and number one, it sounds like that's kind of your problem solving uh, technique is, do we have it? And if you don't, it's like, okay, hard stop, let's do. And so the whole ISO quality approach is uh, just write down what you do and then do what you write down. Say what you do, do what you say mm -hmm. and start from there. Yep. And doesn't have to be perfect, but at least consistent. And then from consistent, from a baseline, then you can improve. Yeah. I know you yeah. spend a lot of time, or at least in conversations I've had with you, it sounds like you focus on systems around sales. So is that particularly mm -hmm. important area uh, for you in terms of uh, a sales system or a lead gen system? 
it seems like you talk about it a lot. So I wonder how important that is uh, for you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, our, our, our business, it all starts with the lead. So if, if we don't have anybody calling us for estimates or for quotes, like we don't have any work for our painters to do and there's really no business. So on the lead side, yeah, we do, you know, a lot of different things. We'll do you know, branding opportunities like radio, TV, uh, you know, generating leads. We do a lot of, you know, marketing to our previous customers. We have a word of mouth and a referral program that we, that we have that really helps get people just to talk, you know, they're happy with their paint job. We want them to tell a few of their friends or neighbors or their HOA president. And, you know, that really can help us just generate more, more leads and more business. So that's on the lead side. That's where it starts. And then on the sales, yeah, we have a seven step sales process that, you know, same thing, probably, uh, was it 10, 11 years ago, I literally kind of documented and created a sales process in our company of these are the seven things that need to happen. Like every time we go out to somebody's house for an estimate. Mm-hmm. And, and then we train on those. And, and one of those is, you know, when you do the proposal portion and rebuttals. So, you know, any rebuttal, right? It could be a price objection. It could be a timing objection, but we want our salespeople just to be, you know, better and better and, and, you know, improve that, you know, how to handle certain objections. So we work on it. We practice, right? Just like if you're, you know, an NBA basketball player, even though you can make layups and free throws, you still do them every single day. So we, we spend a lot of time practicing and doing things like that. Yeah, I, I don't think that there's any limit to how much you can improve by focusing on the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you're making a prospect into a client and then a client into a, a happy, established client, you know, operationally. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the, the fundamentals, you know, I think in business, especially as you scale and grow, like the better you are at those, the easier and quicker you'll be able to scale and grow well, you know, cause you could grow revenue top line well, but if your operations are a mess, then, you know, you're not going to have, there's probably not gonna be very much money left over. Your profit's not going to be very high. So yeah, you can give all that money back. Ideal. Yeah. Part of, can you share some yeah. of your uh, growth strategy? I know you've made some uh, acquisitions. So what are some kind of pros and cons or pitfalls if somebody is thinking about growing through acquisitions from your perspective now that you've done a couple? Yeah. So this is, this is something that's, you know, still, I feel like kind of new, but I feel like I've learned so much in the last two years on this, this strategy. So in a lot 12 months, we've done three acquisitions and a lot of them are painting companies that, you know, the owner wants to retire, wants to sell. And so we really try to start the conversation with an owner of, Hey, we want to have a win-win here. I want to make sure this is good for you and good for us or else we shouldn't be deal. And so we start off with that kind of mentality. And then, yeah, I've learned, you know, a ton about the process of, you know, finding leads, uh, finding potentials. I've networked a, a lot with, you know, people that have been in this space, mergers, acquisitions. I've learned a lot from them. I work with Sherwin-Williams is one of our biggest vendors that I work with them in other markets that I want to go to. And I network through them of, hey, any leads you have on anybody wanting to sell, shut down, retire, let me know. I want to talk to them, mm-hmm. you know, and that's how I found two out of the four acquisitions we've done so far was through Sherwin-Williams. So that's been a really good, good way of sourcing potential leads and, and companies that might want to sell. Yeah. And it's also a great way to get the word out there for people who may not even know that there's a market for their business, but I was really moved by your story about an acquisition that you made and it involved basically the family didn't have the primary operator anymore. So you really did them a huge service by being able to step in there and be a market for them. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even think of that one right off the top of my head, but yeah, that was a, a, one in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where 
this company, I literally got a call from Sherman Williams telling me, hey, this company that's been a decent sized painting company is literally going to shut down in two weeks. And they've been in business for 20 years. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I, I get on the phone with them literally that day and come to find out the guy that started the company had passed away. His daughters had been trying to run the company for the last year and just not really not really going great. They didn't really want to keep doing that. Mm -hmm. So they had tried, you know, finding a buyer in their market. Nobody was really coming forward wanting to buy a painting company. So it was just going to shut down. And so we were able to make a deal within two weeks. We closed on that and we're able to take, take that over and keep it going, keep all the painters still working. And, and yeah, a lot of companies I, I talk to uh, don't even really think like of their business. They just think, oh, well, someday I'll just shut it down or get to my kids if they won't want it. A lot of times they don't want it. Try to get the word out there before someone shut down that, hey, you can get some some money, some type of, you know, a value for what you've created. Yeah. And that, that's huge. You know, that that could be, you know, a decent amount. Well, definitely a couple of things. One is could be a decent amount of residual value, you know, uh, equity value for, for whoever acquires it. And then also the ongoing value of the operation to the people that depend on that for their livelihood. So... When you told me that story, I was just like yeah, so happy uh, to hear. So, and people need to kind of think strategic value for their company. I think a lot of business owners sometimes think like you just explained that, okay, well, you know, I'll do this. I'm kind of a solopreneur and that's fine. But they don't think about the opportunity of if they just put in a little bit more systems, if they thought it through just a little bit more, not dramatically more, like I need to be like a Walmart of painting or anything else like that. But just thought through it a little bit more and put in some systems that, you know, there there will be a next step value that there might be a potential buyer out there for them. Yeah. To me, it's just another benefit of being a business owner. You know, if you have a job your whole life, you can never sell that, right? Mm -hmm. But if you create a business that has some value, you can sell that and get a little payout at the end, uh, whatever you decide to stop doing it. So, but yeah, a part of that though is just setting up the systems and processes and, and things in place where you have value and where somebody would want, okay, yeah, I definitely want to buy this. So it's, it's worked out again, like, you know, the acquisition side has been a really good strategy so far. And I think it's a strategy we're going to keep using to to help grow uh, and to go into the new market. It's been a, you know, a much faster way to profitability for us than starting in a new market. So yeah, it's definitely something we're going to keep keep, keep doing. And it's definitely, uh, worked out well. Yeah. What, what else has, have you learned as you've gone through that, that process of acquisition? Yeah. I learned that one of the keys to, you know, retaining people is, is be, you know, extremely transparent. You know, I, I've, I've learned, you know, you come in and, and, you know, you don't tell them the full picture of the store, what's going to happen and, and try to give them as much details as you can. I mean, they feel like, you know, you, you're coming in and you weren't totally truthful. So we really, I think each one we've done a better and better job of explaining kind of the process of what our plan is here mm -hmm. and trying to really sell them too on the vision of where we're going and how this is going to be a great opportunity for you if you want to keep it up and if you want to improve and, and potentially have a new opportunity in the company to move up to. So that's one thing I've learned. Um, another thing is, you know, you really got to do a good job on the due diligence side. So um, our first one, especially, you know, we closed on the company and then, you know, we didn't put all the proper things into the contract to, to, you know, eliminate our liability for warranty and just some things that we ended up just kind of eating after the mm. fact that cost us some money. I mean, it wasn't 
huge, but it, it was, you know, it was a decent amount. And we learned from that. So we had some better ways to go about due diligence and making sure we had certain things in, con- in the contract to, you know, not expose us to a lot of liability after we closed on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think that there's a, that this is potentially kind of fun for you because you're bringing in new people and a new opportunity to impact new people on your team and bringing them into the culture of learning, development, growth. And there's probably going to be some very entrepreneurial people inside these acquisitions that you make. And you're like, okay, now I've got a real winner. It wasn't on the PL, It wasn't on the balance sheet, but man, I really got somebody here that's going to help me grow. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, just to that fact, we, uh, two out of the four acquisitions we've done, somebody that came a part of that old company that we merged with and acquired is now a general manager, or we have one that's become about to become a general manager in our company. So they're running a whole business unit now, which if they would, if that would never would happen, they never would have an opportunity like that in their existing company. So yeah, that's what I found that a lot of times in, in smaller companies specifically, there's usually, you know, the owner and then there's usually like one maybe two really key people that are really kind of keeping everything together and really driving and running the business. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we've some really good, really good painters, but also really good leaders and managers through some of these acquisitions. Recently, I heard a quote, I forgot who it was from, is that uh, small businesses are selfish businesses. And the point there is that, you know, the bigger they are, the more opportunities mm-hmm. they are, but definitely growing companies provide inherently more opportunities yeah. for people. And static companies, you know, kind of even just from an inflationary point of view are shrinking companies. So you gotta, gotta grow. Yeah. It's the way the world works. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I I'm really, and I talked to my team a lot about this, but I really feel like you're, you're either growing or you're dying, right? Personally, but also in business, you know, so, and to really attract top talent and really be able to keep top talent, like you have to be growing because you have to be showing them a path forward where we're going and of why they should want to stay here, you know, or stay a part of your company. Yeah. So that's something I think we've just done a better, better job over the last, you know, five to 10 years of doing that. Yeah. Top people want to be on winning teams. That's just the way it works. They don't want to dilute themselves on being a losing team for sure. So you've been in your role as a CEO for the, has it two, two years now, three years now? Yeah, it's right about two years. So I was, again, part owner since 2014. And then right about two years ago, me and my two partners, as we've grown, kind of realized we needed to whatever, give ourselves titles, but really just kind of differentiate whose Mm -hmm. role is what in the business. And so, yeah, so it's right about two years as of now. Yeah. So what have you learned? What was your, what's been your biggest takeaway as a CEO? What'd you learn about yourself or what'd you learn about being a successful CEO in that time period? First thing I learned was I had a lot to learn. So I really, you know, from this part, I really started going after and trying to learn from other CEOs because I knew that I've never been a CEO of a company before. And, you know, I'm, I don't know how to be the best CEO I can be yet. So I really tried, you know, networking, learning from the CEOs. I got in a CEO peer group. Um, I got a business coach that, that teaches and kind of gives me a lot of guidance as well. And yeah, biggest thing I think that I've learned really over the last two years, though, is the vision, you know, being able to create and craft a vision and then be able to communicate that to your team really 
can be something that can be inspiring and motivating if you're good at it. So I've really worked out, you know, I've read multiple books about this. I've worked with my business coach. I've talked to my CEO peer group about this and I've created a, a literally a vivid vision, which is based off the book, Vivid Vision by Cameron Harold. And, uh, you know, communicating that with our team, I've really noticed now people are like talking about, oh yeah, when we do this, I'm like, how'd you even know? Oh yeah, it's in my vivid vision, right? And I have caught that, that, you know, people are really starting to like kind of resonate. Some of those things I've been talking about that, man, these seem like really big aspirations. They're starting to resonate and people are like, yeah, we're going to do that. We'll get mm -hmm. this done. Like we're going to get to that point or whatever the goal or whatever I'm talking about is. That's probably my biggest takeaway is that I just needed to get better and better at that. And I'm still working at getting better. I still don't think I'm a hundred percent of the way there, but yeah, that's probably, probably biggest takeaway. That's huge. And there is a big power in vision. And I wrote down the, the name of the book. So vivid vision, is that what you referenced? Yeah. Vivid vision by Cameron Harold. Okay. I'll take a look at that. I'm not familiar with that one, but. There isn't that something amazing? It's like once you start to put it out there and you start to talk about your vision, it doesn't take long till one of two things happen. One is you see evidence that you're getting close to it, or two, you see a path mm -hmm. to get there. <laughs> you see a way. It's yep. really almost yeah. magical how that works. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. Like, you know, sometimes things that you put out there. You know, you start noticing, I think, subconsciously seeing opportunities that you wouldn't have seen before had you not put this out there, like, this is where I'm going, or this is what we're going to achieve. And just opportunities seem to just be put in front of you when you have a big vision or just a vision of where you want to go. Yeah, that's awesome. So maybe your answer is vision, but what, what do you think is one of the most effective things you've done that has increased the value of your company? I mean, we already talked about acquisitions. I'd say that definitely has been one of the things that's really, you know, kind of helped increase our, our growth. You know, I'd say that would be one. Another one would be really looking at my team and making sure that we have the right people in the right seats, you know, kind of at the leadership team level. Uh, we've had to make some changes in the last few years. And I think prior to me becoming a CEO, I maybe would have, you know, not made those changes as quickly. And I think being in that role, I've, one of the things I've learned is that you're responsible to have you know, top talent and have the right team in place that's going to drive that vision, whatever your vision is. And I think that's been something that I've, you know, that's really helped the value of our company, but also just the growth and how the right people in place and the right leaders driving the business. Mm -hmm. So this, that's also a huge subject just in and of itself is the right people in the right seats. Do you have any quick tips for determining if, if that's the case and how to go about it? Yeah. So, I mean, in our business, everybody has a scorecard. So we use KPIs. So if somebody's consistently missing on their scorecard, missing their KPIs, then, you know, it starts with having a conversation, sitting down, going over with it, having a plan of how we can get there. And if you constantly are not getting, not seeing the results, then they can still be the right person in your company, but they just might not be in the right seat. Right. So yeah, that'd be the one thing that I'm, I'm, I'm never too quick to make a big change at that level, right? I'm going to give them a little bit of time, but while coaching and while giving them feedback and written feedback, but at the same time, when I know, and I keep having this feeling like by watching them run meetings or, or just seeing the results, and I keep having this feeling like, I don't think this is the right person in this seat. That tells me like, okay, we need to make a change. We need to make a move. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you. You've given a, a lot of great insights there. Are you ready for the lightning round? Ready. Okay, here we go. 
Uh, just quick answers here. Uh, favorite charity or cause? Habitat for Humanity. Favorite book of any kind besides Vivid Vision? Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Excellent. You also recommended the, the Maxwell book as well, I remember. Uh, yeah, best vacation you've ever taken? Uh, I went on a catamaran trip on a 54-foot yacht to the BVI's uh, last summer. Best, best chef, everything, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah I, I've taken a trip like that, and it's been, I think, maybe 15 years now, so I am way overdue. That's one of my favorite trips. Yeah, yeah. love the BVI. Oh, it was amazing. Most important skill or characteristic of a CEO? Nice is about leadership, I would say. Um, and then we just talked about, but also vision, being able to have a vision. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, do you have a favorite quote or mantra? Yeah. So it's on my, my wall in my office actually, but I really like this one. This is, you know, the coward never started the weak quit along the way. Only the strong survived. And I love that sometimes tough times, right? You know, you keep pushing through and be persistent. Love it. When was the last time if you have suffered from imposter syndrome? I just saw a podcast about this the other day. I think probably when I first, you know, into my CEO period, you know, I never told you this, but yeah, I was super nervous and just afraid that I'm going to be not even near qualified to be sitting around a group of other, around a table of other CEOs. I remember you asking, you know, if you were a good fit and I just looked at you and I was like, is he really asking me this question? Cause I was already impressed by you, but yeah. Yeah. Yes. To answer your question. Yeah. You're a total fit. Who inspires you? you? My dad. So my dad was a, a great mentor, a great leader. Uh, somebody I've, I've learned a ton from throughout my whole life. What is your greatest strength? My greatest strength I think is, is being able to see a vision and really and driving and getting other people around me excited about that and uh, driving towards that vision. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one you're, you're cultivating as well. Yep. Uh, to what extent do you believe mindset affects business outcomes? I think it's a hundred percent correlated. You know, I think somebody that's a glass half full versus glass half empty is going to win much faster than, you know, somebody that's, that's glass half empty. I think having a positive outlook on life and, and seeing opportunities is going to help, help you tremendously. What's one thing that you do to intentionally support a positive culture in your company? One thing I do uh, every day when I come in saying hi to everybody, just hi, smiling, welcoming. We have new people when they first, I do every week, I do a welcome call. So I'll call them if, if they're not in our office that I'm in, that I work out of, I'll call them and just welcome their company, ask how their first week went. Two last questions. What does prosperity mean to you? Prosperity, I think to me, that means that you're able to have a life that uh, you helped craft and design to look the way you want it to look. And you're able to, you know, spend the time doing the things that you want to do with who you want to do them with. That's an important caveat. Yes. <laughs> with who, who you're with. And then lastly, um, and you've touched on many, but the short answer here, any best advice to be a great CEO? Yeah, I'd say you, number one is be very coachable and open to learning, right? Try to learn and glean as much information as you can from other CEOs that maybe have been doing it longer or they've been more successful and, and really just never stop that, that hunger for proving yourself. I think you do that. Other people around you and in your company will see that and they'll realize like, wow, this person keeps getting better at their role as CEO. I want to keep getting better at my role. And I think that's really important. 
Awesome. I, I love it. People, uh, I often say, and I, I forget who it, this one, this quote is from as well, is uh, people would uh, rather see a sermon any day than hear one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, for sure. It's just show them how you want to be. Yeah. Yep. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. I'm really interested to see what you're going to do in the next two or three years. I don't think we have to wait too long to see some really big things happen. Yeah, if people awesome. Wanna, I appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. If people want to learn more about your company or perhaps contact you, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah, if you go, if you want to, you know, you need a quote or you want to get anything painted, go to ArizonaPaintingCompany.com or give our office, one of our offices a call. Or the best way to find me is you could email me, uh, Doug at TPCAZ.com or find me on LinkedIn. That's right. I'm probably the most active on social media. Yeah, I see your posts there all the time and lots of good projects. Projects and people is what I see on your on your feed there. Awesome. Great, Doug. Thank you again so much. I uh, really appreciate your time and appreciate your, your willingness to share. Yeah, awesome. No problem. Thanks a lot for having me. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Please be sure to subscribe and or leave a review. Feedback is a gift. I'm always open for ways to improve this podcast, and I really do want to hear the topics that you would like to hear covered. If you'd like to be a guest, please visit www.garycovertconsulting.com and check out the podcast page. And remember, you can create more prosperity than you can ever know. Have the courage to use your gifts today, and let's make the world a more prosperous place for everyone.